They say I'm disturbed. From city to city, an incredible hysterical panic spread. I think we're getting into a weird area here. Will you tell these fools I'm not crazy? Not crazy. This hysteria. You can't handle the truth. Brain is gone. This is Hysteria 51. The truth is out there. It's alive. But you won't find it here. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Welcome in, Hysteria Nation. Um, um, producer Lisa? Yeah, John? Well, uh, nothing big, but you're, you're sort of in my seat. Oh, am I? Oops. Okay, I'll get up in a sec. Welcome in, Hysteria Nation, to the podcast that doesn't always get its hosts back. But when we do, we aren't sure that they were better than the replacements. This is Hysteria 51. Here's your seat, sweetie. <sighs> Everyone's a critic. Broadcasting from the lower fourth dimension, otherwise known as Chicago, I'm your host, John Goforth. Sitting across from me is the Bonyak to my Kuzmich, Mr. Brent Hand. I don't even get that reference obviously you're not up on your russian comedic duos <laughs> okay um i i guess it was a bit of a stretch uh in russia duels comic you i no, that didn't really work no <laughs> none of it worked ah uh, but yes it was and if you do it again i'm giving the mic back to lisa hey what am i saying we're not we're not doing that anyway are you feeling any better john what's going on uh let's say still in recovery but but certainly on the mend damn guess you can't win them all that other voice you're hearing is our robot co-host conspiracy bot Seabot is a drunk angry robot bent on world domination he also enjoys crochet yeah but only really metal crochet it calms you know, me it's the strangest thing to come home from a long day and find your robot sprout on the couch crocheting a dragon onesie and listening to danzig on the other hand is that really all that strange with him you know i guess not <laughs> Think, speaking of Danzig real quick, did you see that several thousand year old uh, Greek girl that they did the reconstruction? The recon- yeah. And it looks just like Glenn Danzig. It does. Or is it Glenn Danzig's daughter because he's eternal? He's not. And neither are you. <laughs> so, John, we're back talking about the man, the myth, the ladies' man, the legend, the drunk monk monster man himself, old Pootie Tang, Rasputin. Rasputin. That's right. Pick your name. Pick your poison. But before we get back into the story, I wanted to pick back up on that song that we played a little bit of the in in the intro last week. Rah rah Rasputin. Uh, Uh, This this disco delight is fire. No. Uh, Okay, that's a lie. It's been an earworm for me for the last. But it is funny. It is it is really funny. Here, let's play a little bit more. Now, Brent, we'll we'll stop the actual playback there as to avoid the remnants of the KGB coming after us. <laughs> but but this song has everything. Let's let's take a look at the lyrics. Yeah, I hear the song comes out swinging. Let me read to you the first verse because I have the lyrics written out right here. There lived a certain man in Russia long ago. He was big and strong in his eyes, a flaming glow. Most people look at him with terror and fear. But the Moscow chicks, he was such a lovely dear. He could preach the Bible like a preacher, full of ecstasy and fire. But he also was the kind of teacher women would desire. Got it bad, got it bad, got it bad. I'm hot the booty. <laughs> Sorry, well, that uh, might not have been the uh, the actual part there. He, I want to go back to, he could preach the Bible like a preacher, as opposed to a podiatrist. Well, haven't you ever been to a podiatrist who's like, what is this in my foot? I don't know, but you better pray about it. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. That I, I, I love this song. And, uh, I, I mean, when you, when you hear it in the context of, of the, of the, it's like got that disco beat. And then at the very beginning of it, it's got the, uh, uh, the Russian, like, uh, it almost sounds like, uh, military chanting. Yeah, like, we're gonna be, like, they're gonna be going down a street with missiles on a truck yeah. right behind it. It goes on from there, though. 
He ruled the Russian land and never mind the czar. But the Kazachok, he danced really wunderbar. <laughs> In all affairs of state, he was the man to please, but he was real great when he had a girl to squeeze. For the queen, he was no wheeler dealer, though she heard the things he'd done. She believed he was a holy healer who would heal her son. It's funny because it's true. I don't know if it's funny, but it is true. <laughs> Brent, this last part of the song is really confusing. Why don't you take it? This man's just got to go, declared his enemies. But the ladies begged, don't you try to do it, please. No doubt this Rasputin had lots of hidden charms. Though he was a brute, they fell into his arms. Then one night some men of higher standing set a trap. They're not to blame. Come to visit us, they kept demanding. And he really came. <laughs> I, I, I'm so they killed him, but they aren't to blame. Well, they were doing what the country needed. Best part of this song, the very, very end. Oh, oh, those, those Russians! Russians. Are they are they speaking oh, in the third person? Russians. Well, you know, I mean, it at that time there was um, so like something we'd say. Oh, those Russians! Oh, oh, those Russians! It's complicated, John. I mean, you'd understand if you had two backwards R's and an upside down H in your name, but you don't, so you can't wrap your or or a, or a pi or or a pi sign. But speaking of death that we didn't just talk about, other than in that song a little bit, <laughs> let's get back into our story. Oh, those Russians! <laughs> oh, those Russians and Rasputins. Yeah. One of them. The, let's let's talk a little bit more about um, his his capping off the capping off of his rise to power. As, as we described in the first episode, Rasputin has done pretty well for himself so far. He's gone from a, a what do we call him, a wandering peasant minstrel. Okay, well, he wasn't a minstrel, I suppose, but he, he, he was at minimum a mystic, uh, whatever, uh, to one of the most powerful people in the court of the Tsar of Nicholas II. And if you want more on that, listen to last week's episode. But now, now Rasputin is in power, well, of sorts, at least influence, and he didn't do much to help the royal couple in their defense of him. There are countless stories of him being drunker than a skunk and causing trouble in pubs all around St. Petersburg, from, from groping women to simply pulling out his schlong and waving it around at people. He certainly wasn't a, a wallflower, let's say. Yeah, he was more of um, half the friends we had in college. Yeah, that's a good point. But so they probably needed to die. I mean him, not them. Uh-oh. That just went down a dark you path. Haven't, you haven't talked to them lately, have you? Okay. <laughs> uh, in fact, this is, this, this is really interesting. He had special handlers appointed by the royal family to make sure he didn't get himself into too much trouble. And they had a naming hierarchy to establish how yeah. drunk he was in a particular evening. <laughs> like, Ter like DEFCON level. Yeah, exactly. Terms like very drunk, completely drunk, dead drunk and overcome with drink all had very specific meanings for that particular night's escapades. You can say that again. You weren't there. What do you think he was drinking? <laughs> bot booze. So Rasputin drank bot booze. Is that what you're saying? Well, that and the occasional bot juice. He was a man of many tastes. All right. Now, remember the Tsarina, Alexandra, was an ardent supporter as she thought he was a true miracle worker and the only thing keeping her hemophiliac son, Alexei, alive. And as time went on, Rasputin's increasing drunkenness, sexual escapades, and penchant for accepting bribes to help people obtain political positions, <laughs> these things were not great for his reputation. Yeah, those things start to get noticed by the people in the court and around. And between 1906 and 1914, various politicians and journalists of the times used Rasputin's association with the imperial family to literally undermine said families and the entire dynasty's credibility and push for reform. And Rasputin helped their efforts by claiming to be the Tsarina's advisor. And accounts of his crazy antics and behavior were all over the press at that time. I mean, people were really paying notice and attention to this. Dude like to bang. That's one way to put it. I think yes. that's that's actually pretty true. It didn't help matters that when reports came out that he was sleeping with the Tsarina, and we'll get into that more uh, a little bit later, he didn't admit to him. Because he wasn't, uh, but he also didn't publicly decry them. It was kind of like he liked the rumors. No. Like when you're when you're in high school and and you know you get associated with a dating person that was you know uh, out of your league, you're like I'm not saying it's 
true, but I'm not not saying it's yeah. true either. Or when someone you ask someone, you're a virgin, aren't you? And they go, that's a personal question. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, th- thanks for your answer. <laughs> the real truth is that Rasputin's influence at the time was limited to the health of Alexei. That's very true. And this is at the time when the world was an upheaval and we're going to be entering into World War One. And do you remember what kicked off World War One, John? The assassination of Archduke Franz Ferdinand. I like his band. I do, too. <laughs> uh, so that was in 1914. World War I hits. And we could spend days on this subject alone. It's one of my favorite topics. But as it relates to Rasputin, World War I is not good news. Not so much. Uh, he was a passionate pacifist. So... Things like pesky world wars don't really fit in with passionate pacifists. That's hard for me to say, but I don't think it's, it just doesn't mesh with my being passionate, passionate. I pacifist. Oh, is it? I dabbled in pacifism, dude. (laughs) Uh, His anti-war stance made him an easy target for accusations of being unpatriotic. Well, and don't forget the Tsarina was German and uh, that was a, a, yeah, we didn't we didn't get into that. Nicholas married outside of uh, Russia and married mm-hmm. a German woman. The Tsarina uh, was of German descent. And that's not that weird in unless the, you're in the middle of a world war where then you're married to well, a traitorous no, German empress. Well, that's the way it's perceived. Yeah. Before that, the European bloodlines all traded around. Right. Exactly. But in, in during a world war, then you, you've married this traitorous German who's sleeping with a traitorous mad monk. And all of this is going to bring the downfall of Russia. Plus, just look at the guy. Wolf. <laughs> uh, Buzz, your girlfriend. Wolf. It's <laughs> from Home Alone. <laughs> he was you, not you a gave him, You gave him the fire stick again, didn't I you? I did. Yeah. I did. He, uh, he installed it. Uh, and, and truth be told, uh, Rasputin didn't need to bring about the downfall of Russia because Nicholas II was doing a fine job of that on his own. Yeah, little Nicky was making some bad decisions. He had already lost a major war uh, with the Japanese uh Earlier in the century, the uh, Russo-Japanese War, uh, he made a bunch of bad decisions and they lost. Who only sends men named Russo against an entire fucking country? What a horrible decision. I'm, I'm just going to leave that alone. I, I do want to know why we decide to, when we look back on history, why we use these terms differently. Like for other Japanese wars, they were it was uh, Nipponese or yeah. Nippon. And for this, instead of Russia, instead of being the Russian Japanese, it was the Russo Japanese. Like I don't know why we select. Um, I'm sure there's an easy answer. I'm just I didn't look it up. Anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, one thing. Uh, speaking of Nicholas II being bad, uh, millions, literally millions yeah. of Russians died during World War One for one reason or another. Holy shit! The World Wars really decimated in world war Two, 23 million russians died that is just a staggering staggering number well and that's the thing uh about russia and wars they're not very good at them but they have more people than you when you're like a third of the planet <laughs> in your ground space i'm not really but it's like big you got you got bodies I don't know if we should it's say like those not people at it because chances are they're listening to this and they might take offense and and uh, well, no, it's categorical. It's going to be you can't tweeting about it. Us. It's true. It's categorical. I mean, they, you, you can't lose millions upon. I forget the exact number, but in the first month of battle, Russia lost an insane number of troops. You can't lose that many troops and be good at it. But when you have so many more that you can just throw at it, you eventually win. But it's kind of like those people you knew in high school that weren't all that smart, but but just beat you because they had more effort than you. Like, yeah. you want to get out of bed? Nah. Yeah. They're already up and working at it at 4 a.m. Yeah. It, they might not be all that smart, but they have I'm more dumb, effort. I'm dumb, but I'm motivated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying Russians are dumb, but I am saying that they weren't good at war. But, uh, the, the, but the things that you're talking about, though, the it's easier to blame someone else than yourselves. So it didn't stop these upper echelons of power back in St. Petersburg. Guess what? They need a scapegoat. It's going to be Rasputin, and they decided that he needed to die because it's easier to blame him than all of their own inadequacies. And there was uh, there were one or two people that really kind of helped lead that charge, and, and we'll take a look at them when we come back next. I didn't know you guys were going to talk about me. This is amazing. I don't know why. He must have. He really must like this guy. We ran around in some of the same circles. 
Oh, that and Les Seabot next on Hysteria 51. Hola, David. Me amo Brent. Bonjour, uh, Brent. Je m'appelle David. You didn't do Spanish. I thought if we were going to do this together, we'd do the same language. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that's uh, that's on brand for us. I, that, I I just thought romance languages yeah. was the key. Everything I say is romantic, and that is thanks to Rosetta Stone. <laughs> you guys, we, we've been touting these things forever. We love Rosetta Stone, and we actually are users. David, you've really been using it even for longer than I. What's your experience been like? Oh, it's been great. The thing is, uh, you really get to learn how to speak and think in that language with it. So it's very high on pronunciation too. So <laughs> you can, you know, learn how to speak. And you know, our show is all about proper pronunciation. <laughs> in that pronunciation. Yeah, that's right. But it's, it, they design it for long-term retention, you know, it, and yeah. uh, if you don't get the pronunciation right, you, you say it until you do. And then, you know, that, that just seeps into your head. Well, and that's why, you know, this has been trusted by experts for 30 years and, there's over 25 different languages that you can learn and people, millions and millions of users use it because like you said, it does seep in and you're using it with, you know, you get speech recognition and mm -hmm. it, it hears you. You get to use like the built-in true accent features that gives you this pronunciation, which is super convenient and you can do it at your own time. And I don't know if you can know this, but I'm all about value and you get a one-time purchase, 25 languages. If I learned all 25 languages, I'd be so confused. Or really cool. <laughs> I have to go in and out. But you'd be real marketable. But literally, though, this is something that we use, and we have both of us have given the seal of approval because we want to do this long term, and uh, it's something that uh, it works, you know. And we don't yeah. we don't do long term um, stuff like this, and this is this is the one that we've chosen, and we love it. So, all you guys got to do don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now, as we've told you a thousand times, and it's always now, right now. Get now. started. For very limited time, Hysteria 51 listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. How much? 50%. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your unnatural life. Wow. Redeem, redeem, redeem. How do they do it? Rachete, you're 50% oh. off. <laughs> Rachete. <laughs> redeem it. 50% off rosettastone.com slash today. Do it today. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when Brent and I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, we thought, man, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. Brent is trying to plan right now and says that it works like a charm from Chicago to Nashville as he makes his big old move. Mint Mobile is working for him. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. So ditch the overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash hysteria. That's mintmobile, M-I-N-T-M-O-B-I-L-E dot com slash hysteria, H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash hysteria. $45 upfront payment required. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Order up. <laughs> Not going to let that one go, are you? Pooty. All right. So, Brent, you cannot talk about Rasputin without talking about his, let's call him frenemy, Sergei Trufinov. 
Uh, he's much more widely referred to as Hero Monk Iliador, or just Iliador. Iliador. He's a priest in the Russian Orthodox Church and initially was friends with Rasputin. However, much like many friendships, that didn't last. Well, what are you what are you uh, implying there? No, Brett? I just you you hear about that in history. E tu brute, uh, you know. First, uh, they were pretty far apart ideologically. Yeah, they Ili- didn't see eye to eye there. Iliador hated the free access that Rasputin had to the Tsar and Tsarina. Uh, frankly, it kind of sounds like he was just jealous. Right. It sounds like he. Uh, the, when you get into the upper echelons of society, especially back in there, there is a lot of infighting and backstabbing because. Uh, appearances of power are as important as power itself. It's like the real housewives of St. Petersburg. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, uh, duh. 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 <laughs> Listen, you biz notch. Yeah. yeah. No, how would, no, how would they say it? Uh, how would you say bitch? Listen, you biz notch. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. Also, not to be outdone because he's such a fun guy, he's also a radical conservative anti-Semite. Yeah, so, he was. He was. Radical anything is bad. Yeah. And, Usually. And very, very Unless anti- you're just radical. Very anti-Semitic, very loud and open about it. Rasputin, on the other hand, frequently talked about his Jewish brothers and sisters, quote unquote, lovingly, and was even friends with the gay community. That We, we, we mentioned that before. Uh I, Listen, this not is, so much over there these days. Uh, do they refer to him that way? Unfortunately, and and the point the point being, I, I listen. We weren't there. I don't know um, uh, how members of the gay community were treated uh, by by the general public at large, but I know that it was frowned upon by a lot of the leaders of by various faith leaders, um, very similar to to the world today. But uh, he uh, Rasputin was a loud and outspoken supporter of mm-hmm. of uh, the gay community. Of course, Iliador didn't like this and took it upon himself to see Rasputin removed. That was his goal. He became a part of a group of establishment figures who had a, had attempted to drive a wedge between the royal family and Rasputin. That was back in 1911. And he started a slander and blackmail campaign against Rasputin, hinting that the Tsarina, Alexandria, and him were lovers. So yeah. that's where that comes from. So he went so far as to acquire, and by acquire we likely mean steal, letters by the Tsarina and her daughters, um, and then give them to the Tsar. And here's the thing about these letters. If you, if you go read them, you can find them online. Out of context, they sound a bit personal. They um, I, I, Some of the verbiage is like, oh, my my great and true uh, um, leader, and the leader's not even the word, but like she sounds so uh, uh, in so much admiration of Rasputin that it sounds in like likelihood, she's like a it lover. It was uh, admiration because, because he had saved her son. Right. But not because they were banging. Um, anyways, but, but again, out of context, they didn't sound great. So he gave them to the czar and the and and the czar was not happy now scholars believe it's not that he actually thought that the two were having sexual escapades together but more along the lines of like why would you why would you expose the family like this kind of like the right. mafia style you know like how 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 could you allow a a, a breach yes 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 uh, and actually for a time he he uh banished if you want to call it that uh, Rasputin back to his hometown, back to Siberia. Right. Go back to Siberia. Fuck, I gotta go see my wife and kids. <laughs> Jeez. Worst punishment in the world. Right. It's like when Al Bundy dies and goes to hell. I don't know if you saw that, that no. episode. He's in hell and he's like, So, uh, what's my punishment? He's like, All right, the only thing you can eat for eternity is, and I forget what they call them, like cheesy tots. And they're like a little, like, cheese covered corn dogs he's like i love cheesy tots he's like how all they do is make you sit in the bathroom for eternity why do you think i eat them <laughs> like every punishment he takes up he's like oh thank you thank you <laughs> so finally his punishment is he kills the rest of the family and the darcy's and he has to live with them in hell for eternity which is just his life uh kids you know how brent spends his off uh, off hours oh, watching right. watching reruns of married with children uh, but l- Bokai, listen, number 33. The, the final word on this, most scholars agree that there were no sexual escapades between the Tsarina and Rasputin. Right. Then in 1914, there was an assassination attempt on Rasputin. This, yeah, is, this, this is, is a th- weird one. This is really weird. A 33-year-old peasant woman named Chayona 
uh, Guseva, I believe is how you say it, stabbed old Rassi. We're switching it up there in the stomach outside of his home. He was actually hurt pretty severely. And for a time, people actually thought he wouldn't live. And after surgery, though, and some R&R, he did recover. And it's also worth noting, though, that for a time he had renounced alcohol. But after this episode, he lived in constant pain. And they think that's what drove him back to drinking. Yeah. Because of this stabbing incident. We mentioned before that while he was a lecherous drunk, there were there were moments of, of teetotaling. And he had gone through a moment of teetotaling, um, but then went back to the drink after he was stabbed. Uh a few things about our attempted assassin, uh, Miss Guseva. Can I just throw in? She's a looker. She is. She was missing a nose, literally. Yeah, she was like she was like Dan Aykroyd in Nothing But Trouble when they they go into his room and he's taking that penis nose off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She also enjoyed a lot of bratwurst. Well, or knockwurst, whatever knockwurst, he was eating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, uh, but she was she was missing a nose, and many uh, many folks attribute that to uh, alleged syphilis. No, because she was asked, and she said. Nope, don't got it. So we know she didn't have yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she said that she was, quote, damaged by medicines, unquote, uh, since she was 13. So obviously that tells me she had a Coke problem. Well, she had ghosts in her blood. So <laughs> also after a standing trial, she was found not guilty by reason of insanity and placed in an asylum until 1917. She went on to raise a family and live a prosperous life. <laughs> no. I'm, I'm actually hearing that's not right. That is not right. It's actually reported that she attempted and failed another assassination attempt, this time on Patriarch Tikhon of Moscow in 1919. Oh, and uh, the best part we didn't mention, she was a follower of, who was it now? Iliador. That's right. So who would have thought? And she literally stabbed him, she said, because she didn't like his... His religious teachings, Rasputin's. Right. Yeah, yeah, she did it because... According to both her and Iliador, they both swore that uh, Iliador had nothing to do with this assassination attempt, that she was on her own. But at the while they said that, uh, after the attempt, Iliador was like, uh, well, uh, people are going to think I did it, so that's why I'm going to flee. Uh, he fled to Norway. In fleeing, he also shaved his beard, dressed in drag. Hey, when in Rome. <laughs> You know, when in Norway, <laughs> when in Norway, and and then here's the weird part: like the dressed in drag, he would say like so, so he wasn't noticed or wasn't you know uh, recognized. But then after he fled, he was interviewed and photographed in drag for uh, a, a newspaper article. He, I mean, we could do an hour on Iliador. He was a unique individual. And, yeah. And the, the story of Iliador ends, this is crazy, in New York City, where he spent the rest of his years with his family, converting to become a Baptist and working as a janitor at the Metropolitan Life Insurance Tower. That is a fucking crazy juxtaposition of life. No kidding. Wow. I, I don't even have a joke there. I'm being serious. Like, I don't even. Uh, yeah. A hero monk in the uh, in the court of the last of the Romanovs to janitor at a big building in New York in the early 20th century. <laughs> That's crazy. But just because this whole failed assassination on Pudi happened, his days, now I'm saying failed because it didn't kill him, his days were still numbered. Or were they? Well, that's the, well, we get into that, but that's the alleged assassination on Rasputin. That's next. What really happened or didn't, because there's a lot of legend in that when he died or didn't die on Hysteria 51. Does he die if he's always in our hearts? <laughs> So Brent, let's let's recap where we are in in Rasputin's wanderings, his comings and goings. He starts as a a, uh, a peasant boy from a Siberian farm. He was uh, a horse toucher. Yeah, he was a horse toucher. He makes his way up in the world uh, through one way or another into the court of Nicholas the Second. The that's a hell of a, a a step. It is. It is, and he has no no real experience to even warrant him being there. The one thing he's done is he's been able to heal their son um, numerous times, and that healing, for the record, is the one thing that no one to this day can truly explain. Right. We in last episode we gave you a few examples of what might have happened, but there is no conclusive proof as to how he would heal Alexei. Well, and the thing is that scholars do agree. 
Leon is that when they would ask him to leave, he would just stare at them until they'd finally be like, oh, fuck, okay, stop looking at me and you can stay because your eyes are fucked up. Yeah, well, the, his eyes would actually turn into those circles that go in on themselves, like in a cartoon. <laughs> like, to you know, like when Bugs Bunny's eyes would get uh, hypnotized. Look into my eyes. Yeah. Um, so That's he, mine taken, baby! Sorry, and, Harvey Birdman. And the Tsarina wants... To, is is a huge supporter of his because of what he can do for their son and and always wants to defend him he doesn't make it easy he's a drunk he's going around grabbing women oh he's, and he's got a mondo dong we already said that we, too. We, yeah we did say that as well the problem is that the the aristocracy if you will of early 20th century russia he just doesn't fit he is a, a square peg in a round hole um, that he doesn't conform to to what they be, their beliefs he also doesn't conform to their behavior and so he Eventually, it's decided by numerous people, this guy's got to go. So the thing about that is, though, if he hadn't been protected by them, he probably would have been killed in a bar years ago. Oh, that's true. Yeah. You know, they probably afforded him a longer life than he would have had because this dude was just uh, uh, out there. Yeah, he was He was out there. And he also, but they also hated how much power or influence they thought he had mm. over the royal couple. Once World War One started, there were numerous articles in Russian papers about and and, and cartoons. You would see yeah. Rasputin pulling the the puppeteer strings of the Tsar and the Tsarina. Basically, they 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 were alleging that we were in that we that Russia was in World War One because of uh, uh, because of Rasputin, even though he was a pacifist. Right. And you, like you said, these people came, these nobles and politicians came to s together and decided they were going to come up with this, uh, this death. They were going to kill him. And that's not new. We, he'd already had an attempt on his life, but he had recovered. And the leaders of this new plot to kill him were Prince Felix Yusupov and the Grand Duke Dmitry Pavlovich. And that's not Archduke Franz Ferdinand, but, <laughs> it is uh, not. but Grand Duke. And how do you do it? How do you kill a man like this? A drunken party. Yeah. You drunken first, party. you have to you have to appeal to his sensibilities. Yeah. Hey, we're gonna we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have lots of cake. We're gonna have lots of wine, and then we're gonna have more wine, and then some more wine after that. Hey, I'll be there. Yeah. Right. So here's what we know. We know he died of three gunshot wounds, one of which was a close range shot to his forehead. Beyond that. Little is certain about his death, and the circumstances of his death have been subject of considerable speculation, story, lies, truths, who knows. Right. The story goes that they decided to poison him, so they laced- So they're going to throw this big yeah, party. They're yeah. going to throw this big party. They're going to have- Everyone at the party is in on it, except for him. Right. So they laced his food, they said, and tea with cyanide. Uh, cakes specifically. Yeah. And enough cyanide, they said, to kill several people. And the story goes the dude just ate and drank with literally zero signs of it even bothering him. Then he turns to wine. He goes, hey, go get me some wine. They go, of course. So they dump even more poison in some wine. Nothing. So first, maybe the cyanide wasn't good. Mm -hmm. The, the doctor, the, whoever they got it from, it sold them bad cyanide. There's also speculation that the sugars in the in the cake um, Broke it down, neutralized yeah. uh, the, the poison. Uh, no one knows for sure, but they had enough cyanide to kill a, a small army. And he's like, hey, we party, right? <laughs> so what do you do? You go and get a gun and Yusupov shot him in the chest. Now you think dead, right? So they start to stage the scene, but the dude, they say, jumps up and attacks Yusupov, and he gets away and cheeses so, it out of there. He yeah, runs. He, he's dead. He's lying there dead, eyes open, a glaze, and they're like, okay, fine. So they start to set up like a scene from Clue, like, you know, it was it was uh, Colonel Mustard in the library. Yeah. And uh, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he comes roaring back, you do not kill me. <laughs> and uh, and he starts attacking them. And then after that, he runs out. They think, well, we can't have this. Perushkovich, I think is how you say it. He shoots him again. And he collapses, as you do when you're shot, usually. Okay, so at at some point in there, he's also stabbed and beaten. And then... Yeah, they just start beating the shit out yeah, of him. Yeah, uh, just because they, they, they're, they like, scared at this point. They're like, oh, my God, this guy really has superpowers. And then 
according to legend, the second shot didn't actually kill him. He's still alive and starts to get up again in the courtyard. That's when the third and magical shot to the forehead uh, wipes him out. Or maybe not. Well, there's a bridge right there. So here we've got a dude shot in the head. He's dead, of course. So they wrap up the body and they take him to the bridge. And they say they throw him into this icy river. And as soon as it hits water, he wakes back up and is screaming at them like, you motherfuckers. Well, so, so a few things on this. It's the craziest thing. They say they tied his hands up and they threw him in. And that when the body was recovered, his hands were untied and that he, they were frozen as if he was doing the uh, the the, the merengue, Catholic, the merengue. Yes, <laughs> uh, what the Catholic cross? What is that? What it's called? Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, spectacles, testicles, wallet, and watch. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, according to coroner reports later, none of that's true. <laughs> right, <laughs> like right. he was probably actually dead when they put the bullet. in So his there's head. a very different coroner story. Again, this is one of many stories. This story that we just told you is actually the version from. Yusuf Poven's memoirs. He yeah, wrote he that himself, this is what happened. Right. So you started to speak on this and think, let's just jump to issues with this story. He was shot at close range in the head. If you're shot at close range in the head like that, that was a kill shot, period. There were, though, zero signs of cyanide in his body. Yeah, that's whatsoever. forever. Right. They did. They test toxicology reports. Zero zero signs that he was poisoned also there was no proof that the british secret service are the ones who killed him like a lot of people want to imply there's also no proof that he was beaten they said that there were abrasions on his body but they felt that they probably came from in the water as he hit things in the water those were the only abrasions on his body you mentioned the british secret service agent it, it there was there's uh, allegedly a British Just secret service there, agent yeah. who was who was involved in his assassination, who was actually the 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 puppeteer behind that. Mm-hmm. Um, those stories aside, the the truth always, I think, lies somewhere in the middle. I I bet you it wasn't dramatic as we described. Mm-hmm. It was probably a lot more like the poison didn't work, so we went ahead and shot him. Yeah, we shot him. Yeah, it probably wasn't even poison. Probably someone sold him some sugar <laughs> or something stupid. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's poison, eh? I believe that they probably thought they were poisoning him, right. and it just wasn't really poison. And the the they probably didn't beat him because they were probably like, let's get him out of here as soon as we fucking can. And they'd already set up that we were going to throw him into the water. And, and maybe the first shot didn't kill him. Like, a, a lot of people don't die after the first shot. Right. Okay. Correct. But they said, though, that he was dead by the time he hit the water. Uh, the, the coroner report said that it was a, definitely a killing shot. And, Because um, there was no water in his lungs. Yeah, exactly. If he had been still alive, he would have, uh, he would have, you know, taken in water. Yeah. So he was buried on the 2nd of January, 1917. And get this, after all that time, the funeral was attended only by one person of the royal family. And uh, a few of their their close friends, and get this shit, Rasputin's wife, all of his mistresses, and his children were not invited. <laughs> no, well, I mean, I, I'm surprised you couldn't. Either, you in that situation, you do one or the other. If you're throwing a if you're throwing a funeral for somebody, you either invite the wife or you invite the mistresses. You can't invite mm-hmm. both. Then his body was exhumed and buried by a detachment of soldiers shortly after. The czar abdicated the throne. Now he did. That's another story for another day. But uh, he abdicated the throne in March of 1917 in order to prevent his burial site from becoming a rally point for supporters of the old regime. So yeah, there were, out with the there old were plenty with of, the new. Uh, there were plenty of pro-Rasputin folks as well. So the, it's kind of an interesting thing there because, yeah, there were and not just him, but pro-czar Nicholas and the family. Now, we know that that didn't end very well for them either. No, the that's, a, that's a good point. The family was killed. That's a good point. He would have been a touchstone for the the pro-aristocracy uh, folks because right. they were such big supporters of Rasputin. You've got, on one hand, dead dude that was murdered. It's It's an entire comedy of errors because really looking at it through this lens, he really didn't have any of the power that he thought he had. But he was an easy person to blame. So, Brent, we've talked about the rise and fall of a mystic beast. We've talked about the beginning of World War One, the death of millions. Now, let's talk about the most important part of this whole story, his schlong. Dick, 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 dick. How many dicks is that, John? That's a lot of dicks. Yeah. Want to see it? 
yes. Well, you maybe can. We don't know for sure. But big surprise there. I say that there's conjecture in that, too, because there's conjecture in anything. No one knows if it's true or not, but his dick is purportedly on display. Not the first first, time. Not the first time. All the jokes that we've made along the way. uh, I don't know if we ever came out and said you probably surmised this. It is reported that he had an enormous penis. Yeah. Um, and literally here's what's sad. His daughter is quoted as saying that when he was erect, it was 13 inches. Too much. In- TMI. I, TMI. Hey, we got to tell him. We no, no, no. I'm saying him. from her. Like, he, he, why would she know? Cause, cause it was written on the bathroom wall. Around, <laughs> you know. For a good time. Dial seven. Yeah. <laughs> um, they have phones, but you just dial the, you yeah. hit the joke. Uh, yeah. Dial seven party four line. Uh, it, it ring four time. I answer. <laughs> like they all had their own ring. It was just party lines and shit. Um, so it was purported that he had, he had this massive phallus. It was also purported that it was cut off of him after death. How? Well, some say that, uh, he was castrated by his assassins and that a maid is cleaning up and oop, little pooty on the floor and she just takes it. Others claim that a winch cut it off as a souvenir after the autopsy. It wasn't like this was done as he was alive, like as a a torture thing or anything like that. This is all postmortem. So fast forward a bit. And Michael Augustine of California, he claimed that he acquired the goods by accident when he purchased all the effects of one doctor, this Dr. Ripple in 1977. So I used to drink Dr. Dr. Ripple, right? (laughs) Dr. Ripple had collaborated with. Marie Rasputin on a hagiography, not a biography, not an autobiography, a hagiography of her father, and so had inherited his dick in a jar when she died. Or had she, well, after Michael Augustine sold the item in question to the Bonham's Auction House, tests were done, and this would be winky. That's a, a quote right it's there. It's a technical term. That's a technical term. Turn out to not be a penis at all, a desiccated sea cucumber. <laughs> well it's pretty flattering that somebody could look at a sea cucumber and go yep that's a schlong right not to be confused with one of way back when our first sponsors dick at your door where they would send you a dick at your door uh, but it was chocolate uh pay me we get a quarter <laughs> of that right, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh but have no fear uh we have russian dr igor Anaskin. Head physician of the uh, the Prostate Center of Russia's Academy of Sciences. He, that oh, is a prestigious place, man. That it's a there's there's a waiting list. Let's just say that uh, he opened the Museum of Erotica in 2004 <laughs> uh, inside of a sexual health clinic uh, in order to display some of the 15,000 items he had amassed during his time as a sex objects collector. <laughs> now, Brent, you mentioned before that you want to be known as a a wandering sex machine. Would you also like to be known as a sex objects collector? Because I think that's more likely. No, I just want to collect the memories. Okay. <laughs> amongst I'm those, sorry, I mispronounced that. Memories. Amongst those 15,000 yep. items was the alleged appendage itself. So this thing is floating in a jar, and its non-erect uh, self is 11 inches, or if you're on that side of the pond, 30 centimeters and is as thick, they say, as most men's wrists. You don't believe us? Google it. <laughs> you can Google it yourselves. Now, here's the problem with this one. No tests have been done on this one to prove if it is really, well, even human. Pooties. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Uh, most people believe it to be a horse's. Um, or a, or a, some other, yeah. A large mammal. Yeah. 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 But that's the that story would be a of... small horse, though, for real. Like it'd been like a, a uh, like a colt or whatever it would be, not like a full size horse, because that would be the size of your leg. <laughs> did you did you reference your uh, full book and list of uh, mammal testicles and and uh, I did. I did. You really want to see my search history on this week's uh, research? Yeah. <sighs> Why do I feel like if I went, and I found all these things in your search history? I'd be like, oh, that makes sense. He was he was working on the outline. November 2017. <laughs> I knew we were going to get to this one. <laughs> Eventually. I think we can sum it up, though. The moral of the story is the company you keep reflects on you. It really does. And that reflected on the czars. It reflected on him. And it doesn't need to be true. People's perception is is the truth. So here's the question. I suppose the one question that we could ask is, 
whether it be from his alleged indestructibility to his ability to heal horses, and then, of mm. course, his, his known ability to heal Alexei, do you believe he had uh, supernatural powers? No, I don't. I, I think he probably was. He probably had some sort of knowledge of backwoods medicine. I think people are calming. And I think faith in someone is also can be a very healing thing. Yeah, um, we. I, I think I use the term psychosomatic. Yeah, you know, I think that's important. And it is one of those things that can cure or cause a lot of issues for people. I think this is one of those stories that the legend is better than the true story, but the true story is pretty crazy too. We just don't know where those two overlap and don't and what's true and what's not. I just don't understand how people drink like 12 bottles of, of uh, Madeira wine in a night and like do it every night and live and, and like not only live, but like actually go out and do their day job. You know, there are some people that don't get hung over their body doesn't metastasize that, uh, uh, Joe Peck, the acid or Joe whatever Peck it doesn't. Is. He doesn't. No, yeah. you know, and and they're just like, I don't know what a, a hangover is. That's crazy. I hate those people. Which would also be bad because then you would have no repercussions. So you, yeah, that's true. Here are my parting thoughts on Rasputin. I definitely think that the assassination is a blown up story. You know, right? I I, I definitely think that. Why all, wouldn't you just bring him in a room and shoot the motherfucker? I don't know. Uh, I I guess they were trying to make it look like an accident because what they wanted they wanted the river to carry his body out and never to be found. Right. And so no one knew that he was actually murdered. Rivers always um, fuck you. Yeah, they do. They do. I mean, rivers. Who needs them? Amen, brothers. <laughs> <laughs> um, I and I think all the stuff from his childhood and and all of the lore is just legend that's grown over time. The one thing that is really interesting about this story to me is the Alexi stuff. Uh, because yeah, it, the, yeah. medicine was bad back then, and the kid kept getting better. Yeah. And it, it kept coinciding with, with, his, mm-hmm. um, with his treatment. And, and like you said, I, I, I don't know if he necessarily had magic hands, but you know, maybe uh, you know, some backwards medicine, maybe in just the true belief. Maybe a mixture thereof. Yeah. yeah. Here's the next question I have for you. What's your over-under on the penis really being his in the jar? No way it's his. I don't think there's any way, shape, or form. That and, it, you know, it just pops back up. <laughs> no pun intended. Hey, you want to sit on my lap and talk about whatever pops up? <laughs> hey. Yeah, it's just, it's, 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 hey, you know, it's part of the story. Yeah. You can go take, Nation? You can literally put your head next to it and take a photo. <laughs> or not. <laughs> Nation, we want to know what you think. What do you think about Rasputin? What do you think about the legend, his aura, his his sexual promiscuity, his supernatural abilities, and his schlong? We don't need to hear about his aura because we already know it's indigo. That's true. You can let us know in Hysteria Nation. That's our Facebook discussion group. Just go to Facebook.com slash Hysteria Nation. That's right. Also, Facebook.com slash Hysteria 51 Pod. That's our normal Facebook page. Tweet to us at Hysteria 51 Pod. Patreon, patreon.com slash hysteria51, voicemail 773-669-7277. Again, 773-669-7277. We have some catch-up work to do yeah, there. we do. do. Are we, should we listen to a couple? John, I think so. Uh, well, let's get going. Are you ready? I, I, I am so excited. Let me dig into the coffers here find out where we've got a uh, voicemail at. Here we go. Yo, what up, man? Just want to say I love your show. Yes, I can Larry's and Seabot. He's the best, man. You guys should give him more respect. <laughs> All right, brothers. My Instagram is Leo Chavez0199. And I love you guys. See you later. Do you ever watch The Good Place? No, no. That dude sounds like, uh, I think it's Jason on The Good Place. Leo Chavez0199. Yeah. Ooh. Thanks for calling. 99. Uh, I don't know about the love for Seabot, but. We appreciate it nonetheless. No one's perfect. Shut your whore mouths. Yeah, hey guys. My name is Eric. I listen to you guys all the time. I'm in the car with work and uh, love it. Love the show. Uh, recently listened to the Great Pyramids episode, and I thought that the quote from Ben Carson was hilarious. <laughs> and what it immediately made me think of was Civilization Three, uh, oh, being the, the giant nerd that I am. In that when you uh, build the Great Pyramids, you get a granary in every city on that continent. (laughs) Well, I did a little digging, and I found out, one, well, Ben Carson, as we know, is from Detroit. Well, he went back to school at the University of Michigan uh, starting in 1973. Uh, Why do I bring that up? Well, Sid Meier himself graduated 
from the University of Michigan in 1975. <laughs> so is there some sort of uh, crosstalk going on about alternative histories to our great monuments? I don't know. I thought that was fascinating, so I figured I'd share it. Uh, I don't have social media, so you can't shout me out, but I appreciate your time. Hope you guys have a great day. Eric, doing some deep digging on that. Great call. So there was like literally one bullshit class where like this, this, this hippie comes along and like, Hey, you know, man, I'll just, you know, I'll teach a class about, you know, about it's an alternative history. Yeah, man. They put grain and, and shit in the, and Ben in Carson's the like, I believe him, yo. <laughs> I don't know why, but I do. And, and Sid Meier's like, that's hilarious. I'm just going to add it to my game. <laughs> Let's do one more. Hi, guys. Um, my name is Luna B. I'm from North Hollywood, California. No and Hollywood. I just want to tell you guys that I really love the show. Uh, I grew up watching all those 90s and early 2000s paranormal nice. mystery shows like Ancient Aliens and A Haunting and Is It Real? And you guys really bring the same vibes. And I love it. Except you guys also seem like people I would totally chill with. You quote C Lab. <laughs> And Tim and Eric, and you guys just seem like pals. So keep doing what you're doing. I really love it. You guys are awesome. And Seabot, you're awesome too. Oh, Remember me Lord. when robots yeah. take over. Remember, and... I love you. And don't kill me, please. And I lost <laughs> respect for her. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs> Great job. She was bubbly. <laughs> I would. I yeah. I mean, I I do think that we're we're well. I'm I'm someone to chill with. You, I disagreed i'm awesome to chill with you have no chill i'm awesome to heat with you have no chill i uh, dude you'd have no no i'm ask my wife i'm awesome mm. and if she tells Actually, you otherwise I will she's ask a her. goddamn liar <laughs> <laughs> well nation thanks for calling in we will try to play more of those yes. as they come in yes we certainly will thank you so much for calling thank you so much for waiting because i wanted to wait until john got back before we delve back into him and um we have quite the back catalog to start chugging through. But like I said, if you forget any of these things, just go to Hysteria51.com. Do us a favor. Tell a friend about the show. Ask the friend. And also, if you want to help us out, review us. iTunes, Stitcher, anywhere. Give us a review. We'd love five stars, but we'll take whatever. We really would love it if you gave us a review because it helps us feel better about ourselves. And that's all that matters. He's exactly right, except for one thing, Brent. You misspoke on one thing. It has to be five stars. You can say whatever you want about us. Call Brent an ugly pigeon. We've been down that path, but it has to be five stars. Ah, uh, we have been down that path. Well, Brent, and, I'm exhausted. Well, Rasputin, Rasputin did me in. Rasputin did us in. Uh, real quick, if you want to hear us on Mondays, KGRARadio.com, 9, 8 Central. You can hear us on there every week, KGRARadio.com. We're going to take a nap, not together, because John's got to leave my house. With that said, I've been Brent. I've been John. He's been Conspiracy Bot. Stay woke, meet sex. It was terrible. It was just terrible. I'll never get over it as long as I live. That's it for another edition of Hysteria 51. John and Brent will be back next week with yet more of the unexplained, the unexplored, and the unheard of. Oh, if it's unheard of, how will they know about it? Anyway, if you want to suggest a topic, give us your thoughts, or just make fun of Conspiracy Bot, that's my favourite, join us in our Facebook discussion group, Hysteria Nation. Just log on to Facebook and search Hysteria Nation, or you can always tweet us at Hysteria51Pod. You've been listening to a fourth-hand joint.